Hey guys, this is episode 134 of the Actual Fluency Podcast with your host, Chris Froholm. And today I'm going to be talking about what I've learned from the last 18 episodes of the podcast. And in this double episode, I'm going to be sharing some of the behind the scenes that you don't normally get to hear about. And I'm going to be updating my own language learning and what I've been up to, what's going on with the podcast, are there going to be more episodes, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to say that this episode is brought to you by Gloska. Uh, there are space repetition algorithm supported language courses in more than 50 languages, and you can get a thousand repetition for free if you go to trygloska.com. That's T R Y G L O S S I K A.com. And uh, if you want to sign up for the full package, if you think it's a good fit for your learning style, then you can uh, join for a relatively reasonable monthly fee. Uh, so go to trygloska.com and give it a shot. Yeah, so it's the end of the current season of the podcast. And uh, unlike TV shows, the episode, the seasons here are a little bit uncertain. <laughs> the, the length, the, when they come out, sort of what's going on. I used to be extremely regular back in um, when the podcast started. I made a, a promise to release an episode every week. Um, that was working really well when everything else in my life was pretty constant. I was going to university, I, I had a routine, uh, I went to all the language events when they were going. Everything was sort of working out uh, with the one episode a week. But then I kind of finished university. I didn't I didn't graduate, but I, just, I was just finished with it. And uh, since then I've sort of been moving around, trying to figure out what I really want to do in life and trying to obviously keep making content and, and the podcast. So that's why it's been a little bit erratic. And um, the way I kind of get to grips with the the workload is to divide it into seasons. And they're not official seasons. I, I did experiment with that back in, uh, I think it was two or three years ago. I, I did have seasons, but it just got way too confusing. Like uh, if I wanted to tell someone an episode, I couldn't, I, I had to say season three, episode five. You know, for me, it was easy just to say episode 75 or whatever we made it to. Um, but even though it's not uh, overtly a season, and you might actually still find re season mentions in the actual recordings if you go back, um, but even though it's not stated, I still do consider it as sort of a season podcast just because it, it gives you that time uh, or a fixed block of episodes to work on with the same mindset or the same sponsors or partners or even the interviews that you include in the season uh, because obviously you don't want 18 or 12 episodes in a row talking about uh, flashcards, you know. <laughs> I'm not trying to fill out any diversity quotas here, but, you know, that would probably bore you a little bit if, if that was real. So this is the end of the season. The last episode was with um, with my good friend Miroslav, and we talked a lot about his upbringing and how he's sort of taken every opportunity to learn more languages along the way, inspired a lot by his parents at an early age, of course, sending him to bilingual schools and, and that kind of thing. Um, but today, it's just me, and it's just my sort of memories and experiences of the last season. It's probably going to be a double episode, just because I tend to waffle a lot. And um, what I'd like to do is try to give, give you some takeaways that I've had from the, the episodes, and also in regards to the language learning, and maybe share a few unsaid things like behind the scenes or 
maybe a bit of reasonings for for why I invited that person on, or we'll see how it goes. Uh, obviously, I don't want to be waffling on for hours, and I also want to have a bit of structure. So, although I didn't write a script for this episode, which I don't really like scripts, I think they make it sound artificial. I have written a few pointers here so I can stay on track and and hopefully give you guys a a good experience this episode. As always, I, I know some people are not interested in this kind of topic, and that's totally fine. And it, I'm not saying that it's a, a worse topic than the the average one or the usual one. But if you don't want to listen to this, just uh, wait a, an episode or two, and we're going to be right back with some amazing polygods or language experts or industry experts for the new season that's scheduled to begin around December 1st. So the the break is not that long between seasons. It's certainly not as long as the American uh, TV shows. But um, let's get into it. You know, the what's been happening with me is, as many of you know, I moved to the UK the in uh, about a year and a half ago. So that was in about June uh, of last year. And it was really nice to get over to the UK. I've always wanted to live here. And I have actually tried it before in London. But I didn't have a job or anything and I was just doing some freelance work and I found the idea of doing that a little bit unsustainable and living in London was super expensive. So after a year, I decided to move back to Denmark. Um, This time I had a job going over here, worked for a rental car company in their call center for about eight months. And then I was offered a position at a tire producer. Also in a call center, but a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more direct contact, and it's business to customer as well. Continuing to do the the language stuff on the side, of course. Um, But that's why the episodes of the previous season, or actually, sorry, this season, have been a little bit scattered out. was because I had to move houses, and I had to get to grips with the new job, and new life, new friends, new everything, basically, I had to to do. And, And before that, I was living in a room... Um, house sharing is not for me. Uh, I know a lot of people do it over here, and it's a very economical way of living. But for me, it was just it, it it didn't work out, and I couldn't see myself recording episodes. You know, sitting in your little room, and there was like people all around. It was just too weird. I know some people could do it, and I I also did record some episodes, but it was just too difficult. So when I got my own place here at the new job. I was back, you know, I was ready to get back into it, but obviously the the mental pressure of having to learn a new role, meeting friends and stuff, meant that it took a few months to get into it. And I hope you hope you'll accept that and and uh, and uh, give me that time. But we're back now and the plan is now to really continue with the old uh plan of one episode per week and um I'll continue to take suggestions of who to invite on the show. I always like to hear new suggestions. Many of the people who are on the show are people that I have met around the world at different language events or people's YouTube channels I've watched or any kind of people I've come in contact with. Uh, I'm a bit of an introvert at at times, um, maybe most of the time. So for me, it is also quite difficult to invite people on the podcast that I've never seen or heard or met before. But I know there are a lot of amazing people out there I haven't met, so please do send me your suggestions for who you'd like to hear from in the upcoming season, and uh, I'll try and make it happen. Uh, we're going to go for a, it's going to be a 16-episode season between December and April, so we'll try and do one episode a week. Uh, maybe that, maybe I won't make that at all times, there's also Christmas coming up, so... I'm, I'm, I think three to four episodes per month goal is, is a little bit better than an episode a week, but 
either way we're going to make lots of episodes we're going to have lots of fun we're going to learn a lot of things and that's really what is happening to me when i do these episodes and i have been doing for a long time is that something just clicks you know you can read blogs you can watch youtube videos about how people learn languages and you can get all the tips and tricks but for me the big change is really just talking to the people who've already done it you know trying to quiz them a little bit on what worked for them what could work for you as well and a lot of things has happened with my attitude towards learning languages over the years of the podcast if you go back and listen to some of the early episodes i had some very strange ideas and there are many things that i've learned that i see in a completely different light so today for instance i think pronunciation is absolutely crucial especially in the beginning because not only does it mean that you don't learn any bad habits in your muscles it also helps you to actually listen to the language which i didn't know at the time i thought oh, okay if my pronunciation is just good enough then it'll be fine but actually it's not fine because while you can be understood to a certain degree not all languages by the way as well i found that russian speakers for instance are not used to people learning russian uh, coming and talking to them so they don't have the same patience or the same creativity as we might have in english you know english is super different depending on where you're from there's lots of slang and colloquialisms so people are kind of used to listening out for the differences so if somebody came up to me and spoke in a very london accent i would understand them because i have the experience and maybe you call it uh, not creativity necessarily but uh, definitely the um, the experience of listening to other languages or other dialects or other accents Whereas I found a lot with Russian speakers, if you're not precise with your pronunciation, they simply don't understand you. This doesn't go for every one of them, and a lot of teachers are obviously used to this. But that means for me that pronunciation should have been the priority going f uh, into it. But I kind of just skipped that uh, <laughs> that chapter. You know, when you get the, the textbook or whatever, the first chapter is always on pronunciation. And I always skipped that. I don't know. I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'll pick that up later. You know, I'll, I'll just do the basics and I'll, I'll it just be good enough. So that's a big thing that's changed for me. Another thing that's really changed is uh, the effect of learning in context. And it's good to see that so many language learning companies are doing this now. Uh, but before I used to think that if you just learned words, you would be able to build sentences automatically. And, you know, this is actually true. You know, if you learn a lot of words, and my friend Victor Berjul, who was on the podcast a long, long time ago, his argument was always, if you have trouble speaking, it's because you're lacking words. And he might be right. I, I'm not sure. It's, it's, it's kind of a subjective opinion, I suppose. But what I found is if I only learn words, I can read and I can, you know, to some degree um, pass, you know, flashcard tests and that kind of stuff but actually converting it into speech is very difficult and i'm not trying to read literature or become a very academic uh, language speaker or n with knowledge in that language what i'm trying to do is to connect with people uh, use the language in practice and and so for me getting that context is crucial because sentences have yeah you can build up sentences once you know the structure but you're not going to know the structure unless you learn sentences that conform to it. You know, so it's better for me to learn some fixed expressions that have the grammar conjugations or the uh, the grammar points that I need later and then insert my own words that I learn rather than just learning words. Because, for instance, for Russian, for something like Finnish or Hungarian or other case-based languages, 
there's just so many cases that change the meaning completely that it doesn't make sense to learn a word because what what are you really learning anyway? Because if you have, I don't know, eight different conjugations and you learn one, you learn the, the dictionary form, that doesn't mean you can actually use it correctly anyway. People might still understand you, but you're not using it correctly. So I think it's better to learn in context with sentences. And, and that's also why I really like Glossika's uh, way of, of doing things. Uh, recently, I've seen Speechling as well do really well. They've started to add uh, sentence-based learning as well to their pronunciation package. And that's really nice. You've got offers like uh, Duolingo also does sentence-based learning. You know, uh, you don't do one word at a time. Yeah, you get tested on one word, but it's also always part of a a, uh, a sentence. Closed Master does this as well. It's a closed test, so the rest of the sentence you can learn by context, and you can see, wait, why is it this form and not that form? So those are two really big pointers that I've learned, is learn, learn in context and work on the pronunciation. The pronunciation is really important for many reasons other than the ones I stated. The other thing that I've learned is that we are really different when it comes to learning languages. You know, I have my ways of learning and I have the way I prefer. And sometimes there can be a bit of prescription going on in the language learning community. Where I, What I mean by that is that people might do a presentation or a blog post and instead of saying, this is how I learn languages, sometimes they're worded as, this is how you need to do it, you know, as if, as if it's gospel and there's only one way to do things. If I've learned anything from interviewing all these top polyglots is that they are as different as you can be. Some people like to read a lot, use a lot of book resources. Some people throw themselves into speaking from day one. And I think it's amazing that it's such a flexible topic. And I think the, the main lesson that comes out of that is you need to do something that you find interesting. And this really shocked me, actually, when I was starting my Russian journey. I was trying to read some in Russian, and it was really hard, firstly because it's a hard language, but also I, I wasn't that deep into it. And somebody told me, I, I forget who it was, but they said something like, how much do you read in English or Danish, my two strongest languages? And I, I just paused, and I was like, I never read in those languages. And he said, well, why do you expect to enjoy or be able to just read in Russian then? And it just really clicked to me that you have to use the things you find interesting and important and fun. <laughs> you know, if you just, if you do something that isn't fun for you, well, you're just going to quit, aren't you? You're not going to get far. If you don't like reading, how are you ever going to get through a book in a foreign language? So those are some of the main points that, you know, show that, I have evolved a lot as a language learner over the years, and hopefully, if you've listened to some of the previous episodes, you've also gotten a few uh, takeaways. Actually, email me or comment on this episode with the main points that you've taken away from the podcast so far. I'd love to hear some of the mindset changes or some of the ideas that you've taken and embraced into your own language learning. But anyway, so that's what's just a little uh, update on how I'm doing, what what's new to me. And uh, we can get into just a little overview of the last season, which was 18 episodes, uh, including including this, of course. So, so let's call it 17 episodes. And so it started in the beginning of the year, and the last, uh, the last sort of episode of the last season was in I think it was in October, November of the year before, and that was with. Gabriel Weiner talking about this massive Kickstarter, which really surprised me because I knew people were interested in learning languages, but the scope 
of how many people want to learn languages really shocked me. So you've got Duolingo. There's so many users on that platform. I know a lot of people just download it on their phone. They don't do anything serious with it, but it just shows you the, the potential of the market that you've got this big language learning industry. And that's something that I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about at the end of this episode as I start to talk about some of the next guests that were on. So, Gabriel, yep, that was the last episode of the previous season. And this season kicked off with my friend Robin McPherson, uh, episode 117. And again, I, as an introvert, it is hard to, f- you know, find complete strangers to, to interview. It, it is kind of scary and it always makes me nervous. Uh, I guess even talking to my own friends is also kind of nerve-wracking because you're recording, it's a different vibe, you know. But Robin is really cool and interesting. And when he had a new project to talk about maintaining languages, I really wanted to get him on and share all his uh, golden nuggets just because... It's a topic that so many people are interested in. I think some people worry about it too much. Um, that's definitely a thing I see. Like if you haven't learned your first foreign language yet, if you're only on language one, then you shouldn't worry about what it takes to maintain 10 languages. You know, That's a bit like worrying about what you will do with a million dollars once you get it. You know, you, You're not there yet, so you don't need to worry about it quite so soon. Once you start getting to your third and fourth language, well, we can start to look into it. The main thing I I think is that language decay or the forgetting of words or or, or that it becomes rusty is always going to happen. What happened to me with my German is I didn't use it very much. I used it about once a year, seriously, at the Polygot gathering in Berlin. And what I found was every year it would take me about a day or two to get back into it. And I would use it just as well as I ever had. So maintaining the languages once it gets to a high level might not be more than watching a, a video once a week or you know talking to some of your friends on WhatsApp or <laughs> whatever you want to do. It's really not that big of a deal. But of course, the real problems start to become apparent when you have five, six, seven, eight, ten languages. And this is kind of a luxury problem. You know, I don't have anywhere near that many languages. But obviously a lot of you guys out there are super talented and you put a lot of work into it. Maybe you've been learning languages for 10, 20 years. You have that list of languages. And for you, this might be a real issue issue because there's just so many languages to study. Some of them might be similar. Some of them might be really different. That's also a problem. Um, But that's why I was really happy to have Robin talk about it because he speaks, I'm actually not sure of his list these days, but he's really, really doing well in about, I think he knows about five extra languages uh, apart from English, but he probably has learned about 10, 12 in, in total. And he has a really set routine. He says that the the best way is to have a plan and to split it up. So either different days or different times of day, do you do different languages? And then, like I said before, just accept you will actually forget something. Um, for me, I try to, for a Russian, I'm obviously trying to keep building my skills. So I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm trying to read the paper. I get the paper sent to me every week and it costs about a pound or a dollar. And that's that's a great way of just, you know, reading a little bit, even though I can't understand all of it, but it's a good practice, I think. Just keep improving. And I want to get back into getting weekly tutoring lessons as well, just to practice the speaking aspect, because that's always been my biggest problem. Um, In terms of my other languages, 
like I said, my drum is as a, at a good enough level that I don't need to maintain it per se. It'll come back to me. I use it sometimes at work, but I don't really do much more in it, and that's fine. I would like to improve my writing in it one day, but it's such a low priority. It, it will take me years to get back to that. So, and then I'm learning some other languages like Norwegian and Swedish with my colleagues at work. Um, but other than that, there's nothing really serious for me. It, there are probably people, if you're out there listening, you have many more languages. You probably know the struggles of, of maintaining. And it's definitely not a struggle for me yet. <laughs> it might be later, but we'll see. Uh, so episode 118 was the next. And here we had a really special guest, uh, Michalis, who is behind the language transfer. And language transfer, many people call it like a, a Michel Thomas 2.0. So it, he, Michalis, makes all the courses. He records it himself with, uh, sometimes with the help of native speakers. And what really impressed me was two things with Michalis. First of all, this idea that you can just make something. I think that is one of the most beautiful, beautiful things about living in 2018 with the internet, with technology so available like look at me i'm recording my own radio show if you think about it that would have been absolutely unheard of 50 years ago you know i have a laptop i have a headset with a a really nice microphone on it that just wouldn't happen um the other thing is how this is doing it out of uh obviously he it's a lifestyle business he wants to do it full time he wants to work on it uh, and and give more languages to the people more lessons and so he's calling it positive activism so he's offering all these language transfer courses for free that he puts a lot of time into making uh, of course he accepts donations on patreon uh, but there are no requirements for the actual courses and in, in fact they're all on soundcloud so you can just go and listen to them if you want and i have listened to them and i find them really amazing He's really put a lot of work into it. It's super high quality. And from here on out for this episode, the episodes I'm going to mention are a, a, a complete coincidence. I didn't even see that when I did the recordings of them. Uh, they all feature people who built something out of nothing in the language learning world. And if there's anything I can encourage you guys to do listening to this would be to do that as well. Because you've got, you clearly got the hobby, the interest, the passion for learning languages, for languages themselves. So I hope that by featuring some of these examples of people who've made lifestyle businesses out of language learning, that maybe you'll take the step or, or come up with an idea that you can make work. Uh, it may be just part time or just to increase some, make some beer money or whatever you want to do with it. Um, so Mihal has just made his own courses and he calls it positive active, activism trying to you know create some uh, nice changes worldwide bringing people closer together culture making people more aware of all the cultures that kind of stuff um but he has a nice patreon account he's not quite at his goal yet uh, of uh, being able to work 100 percent on the target but he's extremely close and the patreon donations for his courses really help him take on as little as as possible other work so he doesn't have to work 40 hours, 60 hours a week to make his livelihood, he actually can work a lot on language transfer. And this is something that I'm also working towards. I, I would love to, I'd love to quit my job and, and work full time on languages. I'm a lot further towards that goal now than I was five years ago. Obviously building actual fluency and, and continuing to learn how to 
make courses, uh, market things, get sponsorships like on the podcast here. Yeah, I, I never expected to get big companies to sponsor the show. Uh, so that's been really amazing for me. But I hope that you also get something out of it. Maybe you'll start your own website or app or blog or service that you can turn that into lifestyle business or like a side side hustle as they call it. Um, and the next one is a, is another example of this. It's a little bit American in the flavoring. Uh, so you got episode 119 featured Quinn Taber, who's the CEO of Immerse.online. And basically he went on a mission trip abroad and saw the effects of immersion, like being really knee deep in the culture and the language. And he really learned fast. And, and so when he came home to America, he wanted to build a company that would use this, this technology. So what they do is they combine uh, like Google Maps, for instance, or scenes that doesn't have to be Google Maps necessarily, uh, but combine scenes with virtual reality. So the student is all <laughs> immersed in a way. Um, that's a really interesting way to go about it. I think that uh, it's again showing that you can build a company. Of course, you're in America. You've got this startup hype. It's like a tech company. It's an it's an app. I think uh, most and uh, first and foremost, but it just shows you that if you have a good idea, you can make it work. But like we'll see how far they get with it. It's it's a really tough market because the headsets are quite expensive still. The virtual reality headsets, um, and the the it's a tough sell basically just because it's new. But I hope they can make it work, and I think immersion is definitely desirable. Um, I don't think it's the end all be all of language learning. A lot of my friends who are not as uh, let's say uh, not as into the community they often they often ask or they often say well i can't learn a language unless i'm in the country and i just think that's wrong uh, they, you can definitely learn a language from anywhere you know, there's so many resources online as, assuming they're not super rare minority uh languages with two speakers then there should be materials online that will see you learning really quickly you can go to italki and get uh, a, a native speaker for a couple of dollars an hour for most languages so the idea that you have to move to the country i find quite ridiculous as a requirement you can definitely enhance it and can definitely boost it that's what i experienced when i moved to hungary uh, a couple of years back is that yeah being in budapest and not understanding a single thing definitely pushed me in some ways to put more time into learning be more proactive trying to use what little I knew as quickly as possible. However, it also puts a lot of pressure on you because nobody, um, well, at least in, in Hungary, it was like this, where if you didn't speak the language well, then it was hard to get to know people. Like you can definitely talk to people and a lot of them speak English as well. But if you don't know it well enough, then you don't really integrate very well into the social circles. You're kind of this foreigner or this awkward foreigner that I was, uh, definitely. Uh, so there's a lot of pressures, and I just want you to not make an excuse not to learn your target language just because you can't go to the country. I mean, many people can't travel, and let's say you're in America and you're learning Ukrainian. You know, that's a ridiculously long flight, and uh, it's really hard to, to actually get there. So... Just because you can't get there doesn't mean you can't learn it. And at home, you can stimulate it in so many ways. Uh, again, with the maybe Immersed Online you can use or 
you can use italki to have native uh, conversation on skype or you can set your phone to the language set your computer to the language you can watch vlogs and tv shows and radio stations you've got everything at your fingertips these days so there's really no excuse um but i wish people wouldn't make such a big deal out of immersion i think it's something that if you do it right can be really beneficial and i think it's ideal to be in the country where the language is spoken but it's not a problem if you're not so that brings me to episode 120 which was a little uh, i guess a little intermezzo between all these business episodes but um that was just a solo episode for me talking about mental health and this was because it, that week was mental health week and i wanted to talk about it i've talked about it in the past as well but i think language learning is super powerful for mental health because you've get you got so much positivity in the people who learn languages they're very motivational they're very aspirational also and it gives you these goals to hit and it gives you very visible progress so uh, and also for me going to all these conferences and, and gatherings i met a lot of people so you get the socializing which people with let's say depression or or that kind of problem can tend to kind of bunker themselves in their house or their apartment so going to all these meetups practicing your languages meet getting friends on skype or pen pal sites or even italki is is a huge deal for for this uh, kind of let's say uh troubled brain that might feel very isolated and lonely um so that's what i think is a language is a great way to fight depression is particularly but also many other issues i suppose any mental problem and it, it it's really sad in a way that we are in we're in such a developed world and we have pretty much everything we want to need and we don't have to deal with like the plague or sewage or pretty much all of our problems are solved with infinite food i mean the in the, I'm talking about the Western world. I know a lot of countries don't have this, uh, and but I I hesitate to compare the two because I know a lot of people use that argument, and I just don't like it. Uh, just because you have everything doesn't mean that you can't be unhappy. You know, uh, having food on the table every day is not enough to be happy. Although, if you were if you were to compare that to some people in the world who live in in you know starvation that's obviously a huge difference and that will make people very happy um and but for me i kind of have to look at the society that i live in and look at the problems that we get here and for me it's all about the pressure to perform and it's the opportunities that we get of living in a global society you know you can do anything that's what people tell you when you grow up you can do anything what do you want to do and that's the freaking problem like if you can do anything you it's just really hard to pick if both your parents are doctors and they tell you all your life that being a doctor is really cool and it saves people you get paid well it's a great career what are the chances you're going to become a doctor and you're not even going to worry about it because for you that was always the plan but if you're like me and i'm like i don't know what i like i don't know what my i mean my hobbies change my i move countries i don't quite feel at home anywhere for me that's just a the pressure is just insane uh, maybe mostly for myself but you also get social media networks i go on instagram i see people who are ridiculously fit i see people who travel all all day every day i see people you know having incredible opportunities and and i know i could have those too uh, but it still 
gnaws away at you from the inside, you know. You get this inferiority complex. And I think that's why today we've got this youth that's pretty messed up. If you live in a little rural town of, I don't know, Kentucky or something, in a world without smartphones, maybe you don't really care that there's an, a Venice in Italy with the most beautiful architecture and, you know, you don't care about... I don't know, it doesn't matter what you care about, but if you can't see what everyone else is doing at all times, then it's easier to get to work on your own dreams. But for me, it's definitely a, a trouble with the social media networks. But that was my episode, just talking about mental health, my own experiences. I've I've dealt a little bit with it over the years, um, had some personal crises that led to pretty depressed states. I t- tend to use depressed state rather than depression because I think if you label yourself depressed, then you're, it's kind of a label that's really hard to shake. I think we all have ups and downs. We all have, you know, good days and bad days. And if you work on yourself and you work on what you find valuable, you will find that those dips tend to get closer to the center uh, as you go along. But for me, I think there was definitely times where objectively you'd call it depressed or depression. But for me, I would always be positive and I always say, this is how I feel now. But if I work on this and this, I can be better. And that's how I found some other jobs. That's how I kept going with the website. And um, yeah, so I don't feel depressed anymore. So that's good. Still, you know, there are days where I feel less excited about getting up or going to work or anything, but it's definitely much better now. And that's, I, I give a lot of that due to the language learning community, actually, because it gave me a purpose doing this episode for you guys is my purpose is uh, sharing this love of cultural enrichment language learning traveling seeing how other people live engaging with other people making friends and connecting i think it's a really big deal and of course just as a as a little aside i'm i'm not a not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or any kind of uh, trained professionals. So don't take any of this that I've said as, as any advice, any medical advice, certainly. And if you are feeling that things are tough, you know, I can only recommend getting help. Uh, nothing happened for me until I started opening up about my problems. I was, you know, it took me many, many years. I had some personal tragedies happening when I was about 15. And it took me about 10 years to realize the effect of that and how I'd bottled it up. And I was just basically a zombie for those 10 years just not just really apathetic and and yeah it was really bad so please if you do feel bad just get there talk to people talk to your doctor they usually the first step and medication can be a really good thing Uh, it works for a lot of people uh, and that's why they that's why they get so many of them (laughs) you know there are some people saying oh there's just uh you know the effect is really minimal and they they don't work and the doctors are just prescribing them like candy. I can definitely tell you from for some people they do work and they are worth trying because they can give you that chemical boost to uh, move on from the depths of your situation, which sometimes happens to all of us. Anyway, didn't want this to become a whole episode on mental health, but obviously that is a big part of who I am and I want to keep doing content about that. Um, I will try and limit it a little bit though. Because I feel like it's better to showcase success and aspiration in general in everyday life just to show what you can do rather than focusing so much on the problem. You know, if you keep talking about 
uh, if you keep talking about depression and oh everything is so bad, then you start feeling a little bit down. You know, it's important you know the context, and it's important to know that you're not alone if you do feel bad. But that's why I kind of tend to not talk too much about it in the in every episode or in the blog posts and stuff because I think it's better to move on and keep growing, keep developing, and get away from that horrible place that some people are are in at, at this very time. But anyway, let's move on quickly to something more jovial. So uh, episode 121 had uh, my friend Lucas Van Vive on, and we talked about his rapid language learning ideas, and he managed to learn a bunch of European languages really quickly, and he sort of distilled that into a three-month program, a 12-week program. And again, we're back to this business. Like He didn't really have... He didn't really know what to do. He knew he was in, interested in like marketing and business and language learning. So he just made his own program. And today that's his job. So he has his, his own language learning company doing these uh, three-month programs. And if you check out the feedback from the students, it's absolutely amazing. They learn more in those three months than that they've done five years before. So he's he's doing really well. And again, it's showing that you can create something out of nothing. He's created his own lifestyle. He's created his own future. And he's now flexible to travel all the time, work from anywhere. Basically, he can do whatever he wants. And if he keeps growing, maybe he can even, you know, do even more of that, like more traveling or hire more people. Or And again, that's also life-changing. If somebody like Lucas, if he gets, you know, hundreds of students... He can hire full-time staff, and now he's changing their lives as well because they can work remotely or flexible. They can do something that they love. So there's opportunities everywhere, and I hope if you take anything out of this episode is that language learning is a fantastic industry to be in. And that brings me right over to 122 because then we've got Artyom Nasarov, who is running the YouTube channel Russian Progress, and he is his kind of specialty is that he speaks in a very normal way he doesn't slow down he doesn't use overly simplified sentences he just speaks with a very natural voice very clear he doesn't speak as fast as he probably would with native speakers actually i've seen him talk to native speakers he does speak faster but he speaks very at a very natural level and this is what i'm missing from a lot of books and resources is that they slow everything down or is this very unnatural kind of um, way of speaking and it's also about topics that don't interest me at all but Achom actually is very meta in a way but he talks about the learning experience he talks about what he's doing at the at the time so how about how to learn languages how to improve your Russian what you should do so the topic I'm interested in is what he's talking about and that brings me back to one of the points of early on in the episode is you should do something that interests you and it's kind of funny to learn languages by someone talking about learning languages. But for me, it just works. It's a topic I really liked. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done 135 episodes or whatever we're up to. Um, and again, Archim is, is doing his own business. It's at the very early steps now, but he's building his YouTube channel audience. He's building his social media following on Instagram with the Instagram stories. And I'm sure we'll see Archim with loads of like courses maybe books or materials any kind of that stuff in the future which will then sustain his lifestyle allow him to live anywhere and and just be his own boss which is a really cool thing he's he's teaching as well on the side so so that 
it's where he gets a lot of the inspiration uh, for the content of the episodes, which is I think is a absolutely fantastic formula. Actually, that's anyone can do that. Use your native language. Go to Italki. Sign up as a teacher. Get students. You know, put your price low so you can get some students. When you get more students, raise your price, and then use what these students struggle with to design workbooks, worksheets, tests, uh, even online courses are super easy to make now. You've got something like Teachable where anyone can create a course in like 10 minutes. So this is a business model that works really well for a lot of people. And all you need is your native language. You don't need anything else. Okay, well, good ability in English as well is good if if that's your audience. But, you know, you can do anything. And I have a few people who do this, uh, a few friends who, who do this kind of thing where they teach and, and produce uh, content on the side. And that's their only thing like uh, Alberto Arighini, who was on the podcast a few years ago as well. He did it with Italian uh, and uh, just crushing it, basically living his, his dream life. So th- that's another thing about all these guests is that, yeah, they're fantastic language learners, but the fact that they also start their own businesses and change their lives, it really motivates me as well to do more work on actual fluency, produce more great content. I'm actually working on a course right now that's going to be ridiculously epic, taking all that I've learned from the 135 episodes and putting it into this massive resource. Uh, I'm hoping to get that out within the next six months. That's going to be super epic. And then I can pivot that into books or whatever, really. that That's the beauty of the internet and the technology. So that brings us straight over to one, two, three. Uh, Daniel Welsh, who was some, somebody I'd met at a mastermind in Tenerife. And he's been living in Spain for, I think, about 10 years. And he's really assimilated. He's really integrated well. And what I wanted to feature Daniel was for, for was not necessarily, you know, the, the polygon side of it, you know, speaking five, six, seven or more languages, because he, he doesn't. But uh, obviously a lot of guests do. But what I wanted to showcase with Daniel was that what you get out of actually mastering that one language. So he was an English speaker. He went to Spanish-speaking countries, and then he went to Spain eventually. And he took the time to learn the language, integrate. For him, you know, he says it took a long time to obviously get to the point where he is. He's been there for a long time. But he gets a lot of really good ideas about being an expat in particularly Spain, but can really be used anywhere. And again, we see this business, this lifestyle business idea where he has some blogs uh, about being an expat in English. And then he has a, a Spanish blog or a website about teaching English. So he's teaching English in Spanish to people in Spain. So he has students and he has courses and he's selling this this digitally online, working from anywhere, basically. And he's a really cool guy from America, you know, just a, a really joy to listen to. So if you if you want to listen to his story, it's one two three, episode one two three. Um, the last episode I'm going to talk to you about in this ep- in this episode of the podcast, we're getting a little bit meta now, uh, is one two four, and that again is a business idea, Alexander Munsek, and he reached out to me with this crazy idea. I thought, uh, but when I think about it, it just makes perfect sense. So. A lot of people will teach online. A lot of people might do blogs or YouTube. But Alexander just went back to his hometown in in the Ukraine and opened his own language school for English. Because 
there are many countries in the world that are starving for foreign language learning. Especially English is extremely popular in many places of the world. So if you're listening to this and you can understand everything I'm saying and, and replicate it, uh, then you could open your own language school. There's nothing stopping you. Now, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this approach. It's a very interesting approach, which is also why I had him on the show. Um, but it is also very time-consuming to do physical tutoring. The advantage of physical tutoring is, or, or teaching is that you, people generally pay more. So if you have a one-on-one a -on -one student on italki, you might get you know, $10 an hour if you're starting out. But if you have an in-person tutor in you know, San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles, maybe it starts at $20 an hour or more, maybe $40 an hour. And the ratios are probably similar around the world where if you go online, it's super cheap, but in person, you know, the person has travel charges. They have, um, you know, they, their costs involved and it, it, they have, it takes up more time, basically. Sometimes the quality is also higher, but uh, not always, of course. And uh, if you start a language school, uh, you have some admin, you have you have to pay rent to somebody to use the, the rooms. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that. So I'm not necessarily recommending it, but I think it's a great example of someone who takes initiative, uses his language passion to actually create an own, his own business. And he says it's a bit like a lifestyle business at the moment. He works really long hours, but it pays for his lifestyle. Uh, he's hoping to grow it and, and open more schools that then can turn into more of a, a real business, so to speak. Not that it isn't at the moment, but he's a, it's pretty much a one-man show. And the the episode also features some examples of how specifically he did it, so you can get some inspiration for your own language school, maybe. And um, I'm, it's funny looking back at these episodes, how related they actually were the last five or so. In the next episode, in the next real episode here, <laughs> episode one, three, uh, five, I'm going to be talking about the remaining episodes that were released, so the remaining eight episodes or so, and just give you, again, some, some context to, to what's been going on and uh, what I've been trying to do with, with the podcast. Um, but before I do, I guess I can just teach you a little bit. The There will be a new season, as I said earlier, and it's going to be broadcast from the 1st of December. And I'm hoping to do 16 episodes, about three to four episodes a month. And it's going to be amazing. And I hope to get some new amazing guests on to talk about their experiences learning languages. So if you had an interesting language learning life or experience or a crazy one even, like opening up your own language school in your hometown, then do reach out. My email is chris at actualfluency.com. And I'd love to have you on the show. And uh, we will... Uh, we'll get in touch and, and probably release the episode in time for the next season or batch of episode, whatever you want to call it. Um, I just wanted to uh, thank you for listening to this. It was a, a bit of a, a rambly episode, but I hope it was interesting for you to listen to some of my thoughts on, on these episodes that I've done, some of the topics that were there. And I hope that you take something away from this. Like I said earlier, if you, if you have any overall things that you took away from the episodes please do share them with me I, I really appreciate it and it really helps me to keep going and uh, let's get to episode 200 and then 500 and who knows where to go from there but uh, thank you so much for listening this has been chris Baum from actualfluency.com and this episode was brought to you by glossica they have been the sponsor of this last season and i'm really grateful for the opportunity that they've provided to work with them and get to know them more
if you do want to check out their algorithm supported spaced repetition audio courses, you can go to glossika.com. That's G L O S S I K A dot com. There's a free package to get you started. And otherwise, I just want to wish you guys a fantastic day and keep learning those languages, and I'll see you in the next one.